it's within the vibrations of human beings to be very comfortable with what they know. You can listen to the stations that play it straight, that don't give you any kind of edge because they want you to be comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable. It's the rhythms and the harmonies that open you up. And once you get open up, those words go right inside. It might be super crazy, but it might be super crazy good. In this episode of Change the Narrative, jazz advocate and KCRW DJ Leroy Downs, also known as the Jazz Cat, shares secrets about how he performs for radio audiences around the world, how to balance the avant-garde with popular taste, and how he crafts sonic stories that vibrate through our bodies and our minds. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in work, life, and culture. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. Last summer, I finally broke out of COVID lockdown and traveled abroad for the first time in two years. I've always been a traveler at heart. It inspires me, gives me a perspective, and satisfies my curiosity about other people and cultures. I heard an interview with Sandra Cisneros, the author of The House on Mango Street, on the Bookworm podcast last week, where she said, the more you travel, the more you understand what your country is and who you are. I think that willingness to go to strange lands, either through physical travel or through intellectual journeys like literature or art, is what truly enriches us because it forces us to make sense of the world on our own terms, unmediated by others, to make relationships to other people and to history. As I toured Austria this summer, I was struck by its natural beauty, friendly people, and incredible architecture. I enjoyed great art, food, and of course, Viennese coffee. Yes, Austria does look like a storybook, and yes, it looks exactly like the sound of music. But on the ground, the romanticized nostalgia of stories and film kind of fades away. You know, between beautiful churches, museums, and alpine peaks, there are reminders of conflicts and strife everywhere. There are ruins of medieval castles, the Ringstrasse, a road that circles the center of Vienna, built where a wall once stood to defend the city against Turkish invaders. And of course, the eerie silence of Matthausen, the largest concentration camp in Austria. Each of these landmarks has been carefully preserved and openly shared with schoolchildren and tourists alike. They're not something to cover up and pretend never happened. What does it say about a culture that is mature enough to be transparent about their mistakes and troubled history? And it got me thinking about how we write our own personal and national narratives. James Baldwin once said that what passes for identity in America is a series of myths about one's heroic ancestors. What other myths do we write and how do we change those narratives to those that help us process our struggles in healthier, more honest and authentic ways? As Baldwin said, nothing can be changed without facing it. Leroy is an in-demand festival host who has graced the stages at many jazz festivals and performances, including the Monterey Jazz Festival, the Angel City Jazz Festival, the Central Avenue Jazz Festival, the Jazz Cruise, the Playboy Jazz Cruise, Winter Jazz Fest in New York, the Lamert Park Jazz Festival, the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz Performances, and many others. He has developed the Just Jazz app, which features 
jazz radio archives, jazz television shows, interviews, articles, and other multimedia projects, all specifically focused and curated with great intention to present the many facets of jazz at its highest level. There are some great plans, partnerships, and collaborations for future jazz endeavors, and the Roy Downs will certainly be there pushing the music forward, creating new platforms of prominence for the music we love called jazz. And Leroy Downs, this is such an honor to have you on my show. Thanks so much for joining. Wow, man, that was really a great bio that you wrote. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. And I just have to say, like, you know, people listen to my podcast and they're like, you've got a great radio voice. That's fantastic. I can't (laughs) hold a candle to the jazz. No, come on, man. (laughs) Um, So, like, why jazz? The answer to that question is, I don't have a choice. I really don't have a choice. It's like you're it's calling you, you're gonna and you're gonna do it. I mean, I was born in I'm born here in Los Angeles and uh, born and raised on 1580 K Day, the hip hop station. And I realized, you know, early on how powerful and potent those uh, those rhythms are. In high school, I I kind of started looking for some other music because I was sick of only having this one song that they're playing seven times a day to try to get (laughs) you to like and buy, you know, and I started scrolling and I came across um, the jazz station here at the time. It was uh, FM 105 KKGO. And um, I didn't get into it right away because I wasn't quite understanding and I liked it. Didn't quite understand it as much, but after that came the 94-7, The Wave, which played the smooth jazz. And I kind of learned music through going through this route. You know, believe it or not, I did listen to some songs I probably would never admit. But, um, <laughs> and some artists, of course, I'd never admit. I'm going to admit to you, yes, I, I went to go see Kenny G at Concerts by the Sea. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You know, that and George Howard and Fatburger and Shack Attack and all Alphonse Muzan, all of these these different types of music were getting me into this thing that, you know, I called and, and thought was jazz. Would it be fair to say that Kenny G was your gateway jazz? No, um, he I, I, I will never on this earth. You'll never hear me say that or admit that. But I mean, he was one of the guys that. You know, because it was a little funky. I'm coming out of hip hop, so I'm transitioning from hip hop. So I wouldn't say he was the gateway person. He was there along with a slew of other people. But that was just kind of a transition to get out of one music and find, you know, the rest of this music. Right, right. That's really great. I love that journey and your self-education of digging through boxes and reading the liner notes and, you know. (laughs) Oh, finding the radio stations to listen to self-education is so important, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's I'm a seeker. So I'm all I at that particular point when I was young, I became one. I'm like, I am consciously looking for new music to enjoy because the 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 hip hop thing, even though I love all those rhythms and all that, I'm like, I got to get out of here in the same two songs uh, in one day. I went to Fairfax High School. It was right across the street from a record store called Aaron's Records. And you can go in there and sometimes you could buy an album for 99 cents. These are the albums that record companies, you know, they use as promotion and they all ended up being at this place. So uh, 
that's how I did it. I took 20 bucks, went across the street, got 20 albums and came home and really started listening and enjoying and finding out, oh, well, this guy played bass on these albums. He's got a section. Let me go through. And yeah, that's kind of how I spent my time learning and, and indulging in the music. And I knew there was classic jazz and I heard a little bit of that too, which I was liking, but didn't know too much of it. And I'm going to honestly tell you that it was Roy Hargrove and Terrence Blanchard, those two guys in particular. And when I say that, these were young guys in the business at the time. So pretty much when you're a young jazz musician, you grow up playing the standards and putting those on some of your first albums so people can kind of hear uh, the difference between the classic standard and how you do it. But to me, I, I heard a different sound, way different than anything that I was listening to before. And like, this is somebody that's my age. They look like me and they're playing classic music. I'm like, this is it. So I locked on to those guys and started buying their albums. And of course, as they were younger statesmen in the business, they're playing more classical music as they're learning themselves and their vibrations themselves. So I kind of grew along with them. And the music that I listened to before, I basically had a uh, big gigantic box, like the box that the paper towels come in. Threw all those old CDs in there and I took them to the, the store to try to sell them back to see what they would say. The guy gave me five bucks <laughs> for the for I don't know, man, there had to be like eight or 900 CDs in there. Like, <laughs> whatever, fine, take it. I was done with that. You know, I found my new music. So all of those young artists really opened the door to uh, my ears, a different sound than what was coming my way. But so I kind of decided, you know, I think I, I love this music. I, I think my voice is pretty good. I, I should probably be on radio, you know? A friend of mine helped me put a tape together and I took it to KJAS. I'm like, boom, here it is. I want to be on the air. They liked it. Uh, however, uh, there's no real spots here at KJAS. I mean, we have all of our DJs. There's not really anywhere to slot you in. And so I, uh, I said, okay, fine. I like the station. So I will volunteer my time. This, this has to be destiny because the operations manager came in and he said, Leroy, on Wednesday, I'm going to sub for Sam Fields. He's doing five hours. I'm going to do the first three. How'd you like to do the last two? I'm like, yes. Oh, I mean, I was, I was so excited and happy for this. Something a little funny happened. Um, <laughs> I get, I, so he's playing his last tune. He said, are you ready? I'm like, yes, there's about, you know, six minutes on the clock. It's all good. And uh, obviously I've told everybody, hey, listen to Kayla when at this time we're going to be on the air. And, uh, you know, we get down to a minute. I've already got my first song in there. I've already got the second song. I know what I'm going to play. I'm ready. And when it got to 30 seconds, <clears throat> I started, I, I started clearing my throat. I'm like, what is going on here? I'm looking for water and the seconds are counting down very quickly. Oh, and then the next thing you know, three, two, one, I'm on air. And the first time I was ever on air, I'm like, um, this is Leroy Downs uh, on, you know, 88.1 KLON. 
uh, it's Leroy Downs. I, you know, I said my name twice. I'm stumbling. I'm like, what is going on here? Right. I couldn't understand it. And then I played the first tune. And I realized the sound of music, the vibration is what always guides you. So that was the first and only time I have ever stumbled on the radio. There was no music before that. There was only me talking. Then there was music. So after the song, I have the vibration of what was playing uh, ahead of me. So I can easily come in and kind of ride the tailgate of the flow of the music. And, and it was a natural from there on. Uh, I think all of us have had those moments where we're like, the pressure's on. I got it. I got it. I got it. All of a sudden the lights turn on and you're like, uh. <laughs> Here, here's another thing too. When people say to you, I'm going to be listening. That, that freaks me out. That's great. I mean, so I won't freak you out if I talk about how you're on KCRW now, which has a global audience and a repeater in Berlin and all of these things, right? <laughs> no, no, see that. No, see, that's different because you told me, you might tell me after the fact that you heard, that's okay. But when it's seven o'clock and you say, I'm going to be listening at seven, then I got your face right there in front of me when I'm talking. So <laughs> it's all good, man. It's okay. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, a professional gets as nervous as the rest of us. That's, that's comforting. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I finally did get on the station at uh, KLON at the time, 88.1, the operations manager worked five days a week. He had a Saturday show. He also had a, a brand new six foot girlfriend at that time. So he got a chance to spend some great time with her. He said, you know what? Take my shift this Saturday. As a matter of fact, take all my Saturday shifts until they say I can't do this anymore. And so for three months, I'm on the air uh, filling in for Mike Newport. But uh, it's not my show, but I am building an audience and a rapport with people who are listening here. It was also broadcast um, in Monterey, like uh, after midnight, they switched their feed. And so people are hearing me in Monterey. But what I would do is I would go into the library I looked for my first CD. I'd find it. It's Curtis Fuller. As soon as I pull out Curtis Fuller, the rest of them all start falling into place. Like, you know, oh, there's Curtis Fuller. There's Freddie Hubbard. Oh, let me get a little Sam Rivers. Let me go. Because I learned my music by the spines. I learned by the labels. I know any, anything on Prestige, anything on Riverside, anything on Fantasy, anything on Blue Note, all of the Bethlehem, all of these labels gave me a different type of sound with the music. And of course, you, you learn that from the artist as well. So you pick one CD, everything else starts falling in line. And I have this box of CDs. And when I play one of them, you know, that's a seven minute song. That's fine. I just stare and I'd look. And when you look at the spines, they give you the sound of the artist. And I'm like, ooh, I think this will be a nice transition. I may not know which song, and this might not even be the, the album I want by that artist. I'll put it in. I have to go through each of them as I'm listening to the song. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This one's perfect. And that's kind of how I, I, I still select my music like that, only... Uh, uh, I'm in the 21st century now, not playing CDs so much, but uh, it's it's a great process.
Yeah, I was going to ask you because, you know, back in high school, we all made mixtapes, right? So it seems like you're kind of going off of instinct uh, and not everybody likes to roll like that. You know, I hear DJs like are meticulous. They plan out their sets, you know, in advance, they get the CDs pulled, you know, and you're just kind of like looking through and going, ah, this might work. I could never, I've never in my life done that. I can't do it that way because I don't have, uh, I don't have an enjoyable time programming a show. If I've already done everything, I've already listened to everything. And there it is like this one and play this one next. It, it doesn't work for me at all. Um, I will tell you one time at uh, K-Jazz, I, I played a set of Horace Silver, followed by some Lee Morgan, uh, followed by something else. And oh my gosh, it sounded so good. I'm like, oh, I had such great feelings from playing those three songs in a row. And it was probably like a month and a half later, I'm like, I'm going to do that again. And I pulled the songs out, put the first song in. I'm like, I wasn't feeling it as much as I was feeling it the time before, but all right, I'm still, I'm going to do this. Put it in, played the horse over. Then I put the Lee Morgan song on. I'm like, this isn't working. It doesn't work tonight. I, I don't have those same feelings. So I realized that, yes, it was killing that night. And of course, these are two great musicians. Of course, the music is killing, but you can't, you can't do it like that. Yes, of course, we all have favorite songs that we like and want to keep going to. I, I look at that as cheating. And so um, what I do is I'm constantly in a search for a new sound. It could be the same artist, maybe a different album. And if I know I like track three and I know I love track seven, then when I'm listening to the album, I do not play those tracks. It gives me an opportunity to hear something else that might work. I already know that's going to work. So if it starts getting down to, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and I'm about to run out, I'll play it. But I'll be okay with that because I spent the entire length of the song before. I'm always searching for, for what's next. Generally now, um, I, I love the palettes of color that I, I, I put together. It's a lot of new music mixed with old music. Um, and when I say old, that's just because it was done in the past. Uh, it's definitely not popular. Um, I mean, everybody loves Miles Davis and they love, you know, Kind of Blue, but you have that at home. You know that music and you have it. I'm not doing you any justice by playing that for you. You know, we're here as human beings to grow and to learn. And the music just sounds so much fresh and better that way for me anyway, that I always have a blank canvas with a whole bunch of paints. And at the end of the night, man, it's a, it's a Jackson Pollock, you know, it's what it is. I really love that metaphor of being an artist. Um, and I think about the types of museum experiences that I like to have. I don't want to go see a Picasso or a Van Gogh because I've seen it before. It's on coffee mugs and ties and greeting cards. I don't want to see that. I want something that I haven't seen that's surprising, that makes me think, that pushes me. And I think that's why your show really resonated with me the first time I heard you on KCRW is like, oh my God, this who is this guy? A, the voice is mesmerizing. B, I have never heard these tracks before but they're incredible. And it's sort of like, 
you know, you're this curator in a museum of contemporary art and classical art, and you put them together in a way in this sonic space that um, tells a story that makes me open my eyes and open my ears and open my head. And I think that's brilliant. It's beautiful. Oh man. I I thank you so much for that. It's, um, it's a process that kind of comes naturally, but it's really all, I'm really just listening to what's playing and trying to find what's coming next. Cause when you hear these certain vibrations, you're like, Ooh, I can go seven different ways, you know? I'm a string freak. So when anything is, uh, when there's a bass player with a bow or a cello or a string quartet or, oh my gosh, those are some, some beautiful harmonies. And I'm an avant-garde freak. So, you know, you might hear it screeching and honking and doing all of that. And, and believe me, after I've gone ahead and I, I've shaken your, your body like that, then it's like, and put my arms around you, give you some love, and then bring you back with some gorgeous music. And it's it's just a natural process, man. The ebbs and flows of the music. I don't even know if I can match and do it over again like that, but that's that spur of the moment music, and it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. I love the intuition and emotion that goes into it. And you know, it's like a live performance because it is, right? Um, which is sort of interesting because you know, you're not playing an instrument on stage, right? Um, and yet at the same time, you're a musical artist, right? It's just an artistry of curation rather than artistry of, you know, the actual playing of the instrument. Well, I, you know, I, I, I like to think of it like that. You know, I, um, I was never presented with any music as a child in terms of, hey, you want to play these drums? You want to play this bass? You want to play this piano? So not even in school. I never had lessons. One of the things I'm going to tell you now is a, a horrible experience I had as a child. Uh, for some reason, you know, maybe in the fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, I, uh, I took a bathroom pass to go use the bathroom. And I kind of wandered over to the auditorium. We were going to have a, um, an assembly. You remember those things where oh, they yeah. get all the kids together? Well, there's going to be some sort of assembly. And I walked in there and the lights were off, but the spotlights were shining on these instruments on the stage. And I was amazed by them. I, I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be going back to my classroom, but look at this. It looks so gorgeous. A piano, there's a bass, there's drums. And then the the spotlight was hitting the symbols so nice that it created one of these, you know, star flares off of it i'm like oh my gosh i gotta check this out i walk to the stage and i see the drums and i'm so amazed i just want to go over to touch them and i'm on my way to touch them and someone yelled out hey what are you doing in here you're not supposed to be in here get out of here and me which you know i can't blame the person for saying that but it scared me it actually really shook something in my my body because i was so open to these instruments and then while i was open something negative came in and so i think what it taught me was hey if you don't know how to play it you can't touch it as i look back on my life i always found myself standing about five or six feet away from someone who was playing and looking like 
I know I can't play, so I can't touch it, but I want to watch you and listen to you. Years later, I find myself enjoying this music and, and never was able to play. But the music is still in there. And it gives me a great opportunity to be an artist, to be a part of this music. And it's always my um, desire to hear different sounds I haven't heard. If you send me a CD and it's a quartet and I look at the back and the tunes are Stella by Starlight, um, you know, about polka dots and moonbeams, uh, you know, <laughs> sentimental mood. I'm not even going to listen to it right now. I'm, hopefully I get to it, but I will put it on the side. Mm -hmm. If you send me a CD and it has bass clarinet along with cello, along with, I'm like, what is this? I'm definitely going to play this and I'm going to listen to it intently. It might be super crazy, but it might be super crazy good. In today's world, music is all about cultures and you know men and women it doesn't matter what does matter is the quality of your art your sound and what you're putting out there that's what i care about the most i don't care who it is you know it could be a, a guy from israel playing the oud or whatever i want those sounds to be mixed in and i want my audience to grow with me as i'm searching and finding these things i think it's my responsibility to make people grow now, I have heard from, you know, just, just one, one guy, but he said, oh, you got a bunch of haters out there, man. There's a gigantic audience of people, you know, we used to listen to you on K-Jazz and we used to be mad because you never play anything straight. You always playing all this stuff for the musicians. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I heard that, but I told the guy, I said, listen, it's like, I'm trying to broaden all of us. So you already know that, yeah, you might want to cool out. I'm like, yeah, this is what I know. That's that nostalgia thing I was talking about. A lot of people who have uh, listened to jazz music came up at a certain time. And I might try to say, hey, man, check this Vijay Iyer out. And like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but, you know, I saw Monk, man. And I was there when, when you know, Stanley, Stanley Crouch was writing. And then we had, you know, these cats over here and, Oh, Freddie, I'm like, I get that, man. I, I wasn't there for that. You grew up with that. So that makes you a professional in jazz because you came up with all that. But what ends up happening is that you stopped. And when you stopped, you basically stopped looking forward. And I'm younger than you. So what happens is I'm going to learn what you've learned because I'm listening to you and hearing the music. But I, I kept going and you stopped. So when I mention somebody that you don't know, it kind of threatens other people's knowledge of music. It's like, this person has all this knowledge and I already mentioned five things that you don't know. And then generally you're going to say, oh man, you don't know what's happening, man. You weren't there. I'm like, okay, well, that could be your take on it. And I don't want people to have that take. I want them to say, oh man, what is that? Let me check that out. That's, that's how you, you were doing that when you were young. Why'd you stop doing that? Why'd you stop in 1960 or 1970? Why didn't you keep going? You're still here. Let's go. I think it's all about learning. It's all about growth. And um, since I'm a seeker, I will seek for those people who are looking for adventurous music. Uh, it's important for my life. I feel this important for everyone else's life. 
And if you want to do, you know, the standards and all of that, that's cool. Everyone else does that. So good. And I'm happy that they do it. Go ahead. You can listen to the stations that play that, that play it straight. that don't give you any kind of edge because they want you to be comfortable. That, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. I want you to be uncomfortable. But as soon as I make you uncomfortable, I'm going to put my arms around you with some love, give you some strings and bring you right back in. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not letting you go. So that's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> that's fantastic. The love of strings <laughs> to bring you back in. No, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's the truth for everything, right? In politics and education and business. It's like people gravitate to what's familiar and comfortable, right? Um, it's hard to, you know, uh, it's hard to listen to other people, new perspectives, or just rethinking how we've done it before, right? Um, so I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's hard. I think it's a choice for the human being that you are. If you're presented with something that you don't know, you have two ways of looking at that. You're like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or I'm not interested in that because I'm interested in this. Or you can take a few seconds out and like, huh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not hip. I'm not hip to that. I'll, yeah, I'll check that out. And then you go and check it out and you, you might find something that you learn, you know? And I find that it's within the vibrations of human beings to be very comfortable with what they know. Come on, man. Put on Golden Lady by Stevie Wonder. That's, oh my gosh, there's nothing like that. I'm like, it stops time. It stops time and, and, and takes you there and puts you there. And radio stations are still playing all of those number one songs and they've got you locked up. You do not realize that you have built a cell around yourself, locked it, tossed the key over there to them and you're inside here. Now you're inside lovingly because you're hearing everything you like, but it doesn't allow you the freedom to hear other things that you don't like because those vibrations are powerful. It's just like the, the, the melodies and the harmonies they're powerful. They take over. They take over your body, and they don't let you think any other way. All of these things is like you're going to keep saying that over, and you've been doing it for decades. All of you, me too, over and over and over again, singing the same thing because it feels good. You're comfortable with it. It's like you know, it's like a meal from your mom. I'm like, oh man, this is great. But that's only a small part of life. There's a lot outside the door. You have to open the door and. and and go check some of these things out. I mean, I would think you would have to. If you talk about curating a, a live music series, I actually never wanted to do it here in this town. And the reason why is because of that nostalgia. People want what they want. And when you're trying to present something that's a little different, it's very, a very risky investment for me to bring somebody like Jen Shu, or to, to bring, you know, some of these uh, avant-garde artists to play. Part of the generation is like, well, I don't know who that is. They're not playing anything that I know. So I'm not going to go there and buy that ticket. And then part of the people will say, oh man, this is edgy. This is new. I'm going to learn something. But I also love the people who don't know it, but they're open to it. When you know what you know and you're closed off, you're not going to let those rhythms and harmonies come in because you already know something else. 
you know, this free jazz thing. Look, it's a double-edged sword. You know, only time you should be saying free jazz when you're talking about Ornette. But other than that, I really wish, <laughs> I, it would really be my wish that somebody had to pull $5 out of their pocket to pay to go to do this. Because what happens is that free jazz or that free music thing puts in your mind that you don't have to pay for music. And so you're going and somebody's paying, you know, and everyone's going to see all this free stuff during the summer. And then all of the things that we're presenting, maybe people don't, you know, come out and pay their money for. Exactly. I mean, it's like everybody wants something for free, right? I want free art, free photography. I want free music. And they don't realize that the talent, the passion, the time it takes is has a value to it, right? And these folks are not working day jobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're spending their time doing something beautiful. And there's a value in beauty, right? There's a value in... They've invested their lifetime and money into learning their instrument into going to school and learning the music, learning how to compose, getting together with other musicians and creating something new, spending money to go into the recording studio and record something. And it comes out as, as a CD, music as a gift for you. Everything they do is to make you feel good about hearing this music and they can be happy knowing that they provided you with some of that. But when you see a CD, you know, hey, you, you, you take the 10 bucks and you buy the CD or you might say 10 bucks is too much, but look at all the money that went into producing that music just so you can hear it. So I, I wish people would take a little more time to understand the dynamics of what goes on, uh, understand what it's like to be an artist, what they're going through. You should always buy your music from them should always support them. Don't go to the music store, buy it from them. They played for you. They have CDs for you, buy them, get it to sign it, that make it special to you. But there's really nothing like being there and getting those live vibrations on your body. You leave there with an experience that stays with you. Over at Mr. Music at Gallery, uh, Sam loves the music and my business partner, Fred, they love the music. They don't, they're part of the contingent of folks that don't necessarily know the music. So they're taking a big chance. I'm booking people that they don't know. For many years, it's like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's tomorrow night. We've only got six tickets sold. And the next thing you know, we have 80 tickets sold. You know, people are buying their things at the last minute. They're not buying them way ahead of time. There's no way to tell if it's going to be successful or not. And if I promise the artist money, and we don't make it, you, you know who's going to Wells Fargo after the gig is me. <laughs> I'm serious, That's so man. classic. That's so LA, like last minute everything, right? <laughs> well, maybe we'll come up. Well, maybe we'll show up. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's amazing. And it definitely takes a lot of trust, you know, in you and having your reputation and how much the reputation of the storyteller matters to people buying in literally or figuratively. I think um, that's happened now. I think people are like, well, I don't know, but it's always good. So let's go. And then they come out with a pleasant experience after they've taken a risk and bought tickets. So now they get it. You know, some people are pretty, it's like, oh, I'm still scared. I wouldn't put my money down on anything I didn't know. But 
if I saw people that I know that were going and they were interested, I'm like, well, look, here, let me watch a video. Let me listen or let me read about them. And I try to provide that in my newsletter. And of course, with all the social media and everything, I can only do the best that I can do and, and hope that the world gets it. That's fantastic. Um, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, uh, this analog versus digital world. You know, I know a lot of people are like, it's got to be on vinyl. And, and you were talking about looking at the spines of the CDs as you intuitively decided what you're going to play next. And I'm curious, like how that has changed now that you have digital files on your computer, what's that experience like when you're in the flow and trying to choose that stuff? And I know for me, like I'm a big digital person, um, you know, I, I teach educational technology and, but I also started a collection of vinyl classic records of jazz, right? Literally printed in the fifties and sixties. Um, yeah. uh, there's something about the, the provenance of it. Somebody owned this and put it on their shelf and they played it in their living rooms. And there's like a history there, like a physical, tangible thing. And so I'm yeah. curious with you, like, what's that experience like as a performative DJ where you would physically interact with CDs or records versus digital files? Well, that's a great question. Um, you got to remember, I mean, way before us, when we were babies, you know, our parents, they would go and uh, they would buy these albums, open them up, look at all the artwork, start reading about it while dropping this needle on some vinyl, hearing some crackles, and then hearing this gorgeous music come out. And while that music's coming out, they're spending time with the album cover, reading the pages and learning. And it was a time in life, I think, where we all spent time with music. Uh, and when I got on the radio, I used to play CDs all of the time. So I pretty much came in in that version of the world. But it's also very stressful because if I have six minutes over here of a tune playing, I'm popping CDs in, going through them very quick, popping it out, looking for another one, popping it in. And it's very stressful as those numbers are ticking down. So digital, I still have the same process. But it's wonderful to have every single album that I own at my fingertips. If it's in my head, I can, I can try to search and find it. And as I'm searching to find it, another idea pops into my head and I go in that direction. And so that's what really makes everything so natural and so spontaneous. It also makes me not rely on my knowledge. Um, I don't like to do that very much because if I rely on my knowledge, that means I'm playing everything I know and I am really doing you a disservice tonight. Now, if I do a live set, like I have a live set of music that will be coming up, KCRW is doing a summer nights uh, concert for really one of the first times I'm going to be what they call a DJ. I look at DJs. I, I, I love watching DJs. They're up there and they're doing all of the stuff and they're mixing and blending them. It's so cool. I can't do that. <laughs> but what I will do is I will take the time to curate a set of music that has some things in there you haven't heard. Derek Hodge, Russell Gunn, Robert Glasper, Chris Day, all of these guys they're right in the middle. They got the jazz roots, but they're also living contemporarily as well. So there are different sounds I can blend in there to, you know, make you bob your head. If I have a thousand people standing out there staring at me, I want them to feel good. 
but not like a feel good where they're dancing the whole time and it's all that and we're playing popular music. No, I'm going to give you some things to make you, you know, keep your body moving, but also keep your mind thinking at the same time. Like, oh, this is this is groovy. What is this? Doing it live is a whole different thing because I can actually see an audience that I I need to entertain. And I don't necessarily like to bring entertainment into what I do. I don't have a straw hat and a little cane. I'm not spinning a, a dish on the end of the six sticks. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I refuse to do that. But what I what I what I will do is I'll select the best music from you and let you figure out how you're going to enjoy the experience experience. I know you will because I put so much time into making sure this is going to sound good for you. It's just not, uh, it's not going to be popular, um, but you're going to come out feeling very good. That's fantastic. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've been telling us this great story of Leroy Downs relationship to jazz, like your education in it, your passion for it and your success as a business person. Um, and how you help us develop our own story uh, in relationship to jazz, which is I'm very thankful for. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm sort of curious about the, um, the history of jazz. And, um, you know, there's an episode of the 1619 Project um, podcast, uh, and the whole episode is dedicated to music. And essentially, the argument that they're making in that episode is that, you know, the history of American music is actually the history of Black music. Um, and I'm curious what you think about that. Do you agree with that? And how does that make itself known through, through jazz? Well, um, do I agree with it? Maybe not a 100%, but I will say that 95% of that is true. Yes, it did come from Africa. It did come from uh, all of these different lands and, it, and we were born and raised in it and it was a way for us to communicate and it was something that we had on our own. And to this day, in every genre of the music, you see other cultures trying to come over here and get it, put their face in front of it, do their own thing and, and become successful and try to sell records and, and like it was all theirs. I only say 95% though, just to leave, to leave it open for, you know, some other, some other percentage of music that came from somewhere else. But yes, black people have, uh, we've all endured. And when you put this into music, it allows us to express the beauty. It allows us to express the love. It allows us to express the rage and exactly how we feel. And a lot of the music that I like to play uh, on my show, uh, Just Jazz, has all of those sensibilities in there, especially when there's, when there's rage, when there's spoken word. I want people to hear these things. And now they're getting it through music. People who are already in touch with what's going on, they can emote to it that way. People who are not in touch with it and don't have a clue what's going on can emote with it that way or they can disagree. But it's a way to, without being hurt, without being so controversial or on the front lines when you're going right up against your, your, your foe, it's a way to actually get our messages out there. <laughs> one, one song that I don't know just pops in my head right now is um, it's a song called Tide, T-I-D-E, dash, A, dash, dish. I'm like, I'm tired of dish. 
you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's like there are different funny ways, you know, to to express yourself with the music. Abby Lincoln, my God, one of my favorite uh, singers and vocalists of all time. And there's such rawness and realness in her voice. And she lived these things. People live these things. It's just that they have uh, a powerful platform to go out and re-express those things. John Coltrane, come on, man. Uh, Charles Mingus. I mean, we have a way of expressing those things and talking right back to some of the bad things that are happening to us in the world. So yes, the music is an open door to express that. So is spoken word. I love spoken word with, with these rhythms underneath because it's those two things, the rhythms and the harmonies that open you up and once you get open up, those words go right inside. There's like nothing that can block them because we already opened you up and it sticks. So it's either going to stick with you in a good way or a bad way. But either way, you got the message. You will get the message, you know, and those vibrations are important. So I want all these artists to be heard. I want the people to hear them. I want them to emote, listen and understand maybe from another person's perspective for a moment just take a moment to to look even if you don't agree just take a moment to listen wonder what their life must be like to have written a song like this there's a song by a great uh drummer here in town one of our beautiful young brilliant drummers malachi whitson um it's called george floyd and it's basically you know he took some news clips of these people talking about what was happening in minneapolis and put music to it. It is so powerful, you know, and there, there are a few tunes that are like that. And um, yes, William Parker and, and Faye Victor with We Often Danced. I mean, there's so much music like that. I want to get my hands on it. I want to hear it and I can't wait to present it. And if it's a little hardcore, it's cool because what am I going to do is I'm just going to take my arm, put you around, put them around you, bring you back with some strings, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful i love it <laughs> so i have to ask offending as many people as possible um what are your who are your favorite musicians right now who are your favorite artists well you know that that's that's really uh an unfair question and whatever i say it can't possibly be true because as soon as i get off the phone i'm like wait i didn't mention these <laughs> 20 folks um Vijay Iyer, William Parker, uh, Jen Shu, James Brandon Lewis, uh, James Francis, Eric Harlan. I mean, there, there's a ton. I mean, it's, it's really unfair to say, you know, Alice Coltrane, you want to go back in the day, McCoy Tyner, Bobby Hutcherson. I mean, these are people that I love from today and back in the day. What I usually tell people, I say, you know what? I love the music that I play on the radio go to KCRW playlist, look at those artists, get an idea of it. And if you don't know who it is, play it, click it, play it, see if you like it. It's kind of hard to get my vibe by just clicking songs because I don't play songs. I don't ever play songs back to back. I play music. I don't want to say oh, track one, track five, track seven. It never works like that. It's always... It just comes out after two or three hours, you know, you listen back to it and like, wow, it's an experience. It's a curated experience. And that's kind of how I love to look at radio. What are you working on right now that you're excited about? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, um, the Just Jazz series, of course, um, 
some new things that happened. We are teaming up with another venue in town called 2220 Arts and Archives. It's on the other side of town, down uh, Beverly near Temple. And we'll be presenting uh, great music there as well. They're more open to giving, you know, this high class music to people who wouldn't be able to afford a certain ticket price. But I'm booked out till June of 2022. You know, all of the concerts that we do, or at least now that we do, we film and there's interviews with them. And you can cut these two things together to create that. 10 minute story. And if you want to get more, there's an opportunity to get more. And of course, on the same platform, we'll be able to stream concerts and things of that nature globally. We started uh, 501c3 with the Just Jazz Foundation. This will allow us to get uh, some grant money in. We talked about a Just Jazz book. We've got three beautiful photographers. Um, I mean, it takes a lot of money to put, you know, a Tashin book together. That would be my goal to have this big three foot just jazz book, you know, or, or whatever. It would be so cool. We want to put together a just jazz all-star bunch of cats that can travel the world playing as the just jazz all-stars, just like they do at SF Jazz and have done at other places. And when you have the money, you can make the dreams come true. It's fantastic. I'll be right there with you. I can't wait for all of those things. It's really exciting. <laughs> fantastic. You know, Lori Downs, I feel like Right now, we're in a renaissance of jazz, another new renaissance of jazz. And I feel like you're definitely part of that, um, pushing that, advocating for it, and educating folks like me and a lot of other folks that we see at your events. So I'm really thankful for that. And I'm really thankful for having you on the show today. Thanks so oh, much. Man. Thank you so much. It's, it's just an honor and a pleasure to, to meet you. And I, I, I love your excitement when you're coming down and seeing the music, and then you actually listened yeah, I don't think anybody listens to me on the radio, but you listen. <laughs> and and it's not it's not just about listening, it's about hearing. If you got something from what I did, I'm a success. I don't have a choice. You asked me why jazz earlier. Like there's there's no choice. That's that's where my life has been directed. God's like, this is for you. No, you can't play an instrument, but you're gonna you're gonna provide. You're gonna be near all those people that you wanna be and have the audience. And the musicians, you know, I want it to be a win-win for everyone. So thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much. You got it. You can find photos, links to Leroy Downs' concert series, Just Jazz, and his DJ sets on KCRW on our website, changethenarrative.net. We'll have more surprises and episodes about storytelling in the new year. In the meantime, catch up on our show by starting with season one and sharing it with your friends. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Change the Narrative is written and produced by me, Michael Hernandez. If you like the podcast, rate us and write a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. You can find details on our website, changethenarrative.net.